0: or you can click the link in the episode details below. Registration closes on June 1st. It is only open through May because we need the month of June to prepare everybody for July. I'm looking forward to this deep dive with you all. I'll see you there. On today's episode, I navigate how we stop comparing ourselves. Welcome to the Holistic Life Navigation Podcast, where we discuss every aspect of life through the lens of somatic psychology, nutrition, and self-inquiry. My name is Luis Mojica, And I'm a somatic educator who teaches people how to find safety inside themselves so they can better navigate this strange and sensational human experience. Your time to learn begins now. Comparisons are so interesting to me because um, let's say, um, visually, there's nothing wrong with the comparison. A comparison is simply saying this is different from this. So those of you looking at me right now, watching on YouTube, this picture here is different from that drawing there. Right. This painting is different from that drawing. They're different. Nothing wrong with comparing. This is small. This is larger. This is a circle. This is a triangle. Overcouplings are where comparisons start to do us a disservice when a comparison, when a difference, I should say, is overcoupled with a negative construct or negative concept, that's when we start to experience suffering. Because every overcoupling is subconscious and somatic. Meaning, when I see a smaller picture and a larger picture, and I have an overcoupling, it's wrong to have a smaller picture. I feel that in my body, And I don't even know that's happening. It's this really deep, wide, wild landscape inside of me that unfurls and becomes chaotic. And I don't even know why. Because most of our uncouplings are subconscious. And for me, the subconscious is the somatic. It is the neck down. For me personally, my greatest um, experience in this lifetime with comparisons are with men. I grew up in a unique body where my body made a lot of estrogen, the amount like a little girl would make. And all through puberty until I was about 14. So that estrogen changed how my body formed, it changed the amount of muscles I was able to make, it changed how wide my hips developed, it caused my chest to develop breast tissue and breast buds and and breasts. I had this incredible, really like transgender experience quite naturally. And it would take me a long time to really um, settle into into my body and into how I, I don't really like to say identify, but into how I express. took me a while to understand that. And to this day, I'll notice the somatic overcouplings that emerge when I see men in seemingly quote, normal male bodies. Now, what's interesting about comparisons is the uncoupling or the overcoupling rather that's happening is um, that this is standard or this is better, right? Now, the meaning can be very nuanced. For instance, I can see someone who's thin and I can be chubby, which I was for a long time, and I can overcouple thinness is better. I can overcouple thinness is more attractive. I can overcouple, thinness is more successful, more loving, more handsome, you know, whatever it is. And I had all those overcouplings. Now, these overcouplings are created um, by myself, my own judgments of my own body and other bodies, and they're created from inherited belief systems, things that I see on the news, things that I, I hear my family saying, things people have said to me about my body. So this whole developmental experience of taking in other people's ideas of things, they then become ours. They're like little seeds that plant into our body and take roots. And that's really how I experience overcouplings. They sneakily, quietly, secretly under the surface of our skin, grow deep, and they get very strong. And they become the fabric of our being and our belief system and our even our lifestyles and behaviors, um, who we vote for, who we are against, who we are for. Many of those things emerge from an overcoupling and why am i talking so much about overcouplings without traumatic overcouplings comparisons are benign they do nothing they mean nothing for instance let's say i'm at the lake and i see a man with what i would consider like a beautiful male body um opposite of the body i was born in even opposite of the body i still have i see that body without the traumatic overcoupling that that body is proof that there's something wrong with my body I'm just witnessing difference. I'm just seeing a different shape without a context or a meaning. So when we think about comparisons, the first thing we want to notice is the comparison is innocent. The meaning, which is also innocent, the meaning is what creates the pain. So this can work for even imagination comparison. For instance, I'm living in a studio apartment. It's noisy it's loud. There's weird smells. There's a cockroach in the kitchen, right? The sink is dirty. The, the water doesn't really drain right. So I'm pushing my cat off the desk because she's trying to knock over my, my computer. And in my mind, I see an image of an apartment that's much cleaner. I compare my current state to a state that doesn't quite exist yet. Now if I'm doing that to imagine and be excited and create like a sense of um joy that's beautiful I love using image for that if that's happening if I'm comparing these two places in my mind and the one in my mind is quote better than the one I'm in now and an overcoupling emerges like what's wrong with me or I'll never have that or hopelessness then that comparison isn't serving me to become inspired. It's not serving to move me toward that. It's actually serving to create usually a freeze response because I get shame, I get overwhelmed, and I feel a pain in my body. So when we're navigating comparison, we wanna first notice nothing wrong with comparing. I'm all about noticing difference. Uh, even in a more, I think, politically correct climate, we think we're not allowed to see difference, that things are the same, but they're different. And I think difference is gorgeous. We've overcoupled difference with hatred. So if I think you're different than me, that can also be seen as you're less than me. You're not as good as me. Or you're not as good as me, or you're better than me, or I'm less than you. That overcoupling with difference and the overcoupling with comparison—that's what I'm trying to separate for us. Is what I'm trying to uncouple in this episode, in this conversation. Comparisons, benign and innocent, and actually quite helpful, because your your mind, your psyche, yours, trying to make sense of the physical world we're walking through. So I'm looking at my window right now, and I see the Earth. And I see how the earth suddenly drops off and there's water and rocks. It is really great that I have this visual observational judgment that I can say, oh, that's where it drops off. If I didn't have that ability to compare the land to the cliff, I would walk right off the cliff and break my neck every time. So comparisons are actually a really helpful um. um um, not even strategy, but but just the way we survive in the in the 3D world, or we knock up against things. Um, so if we understand comparison as healthy natural expression, that's, again what I like to call ether, Earth. You know, I talk about capacity or desire. I talk about ether compared to Earth. So desire are our thoughts and imaginations. that's etheric, that's of the ether. Whereas capacity is of our land, our bodies, our bones, the earth, right? Same thing with comparisons. The comparison is earth. I'm seeing the difference. The idea that emerges from the observation of the difference, the overcoupling, the statement, the concept, the construct, that's ether. That's not actually true. It's a story I'm telling about these two things that are compared. And through that, I create an activation in my nervous system. And depending on how much activation I already live with in my nervous system, that activation will shut me down. That activation will propel me to cope with food or scrolling or watching TV or getting people to love me or like me so I feel better from the comparison. A little kind of um, statement I like to play with in my mind when I start comparing is I tell myself their truth is my myth. So if I'm on Instagram and I'm posting something, I don't really scroll on Instagram, I'm not a scroller. I don't follow many people. I really only follow the people that are colleagues that I want other people to find, but I don't use it socially, I, I use it professionally. And when I'm on there, sometimes something will pop up. And again, usually it's like a, a male body with you know great shape doing yoga. And it sends that signal to a very practiced part of my body and mind that says that's the standard you're deviating from it. And now I'm aware of it because somatic work gets you sensationally aware of the unconscious of the subconscious, which is beautiful. But I wasn't before. I would see something like that and spend weeks devastated and depressed and go into body dysmorphia and overeat and treat my wife poorly and not be able to connect to people cuz i'd feel so shit about myself. Now i see it. I feel the fist in my stomach clench. That's the the sensation that tells me, "Ooh, the compare and despair is happening." And my mind goes, "Their truth is your myth," which to me means the story i tell about that photo is a mythology. It is a story. It is born from my psyche, much of which has been wounded from trauma. I don't mean I'm a victim or I'm broken, I'm not. But my stories, especially around bodies, especially around male bodies, are very, very much formed from traumatic experiences growing up. Very much formed from body dysmorphia that I experienced, from gender dysphoria I experienced. So that all goes into the well of how I experience the male physiology. So when I see that photo, it opens that up in my body. And then my mind now has this reflex thanks to being body aware that says, ooh, I feel that in the stomach. You're telling a story that hurts you. It's the beauty of sensation. When a sensation is painful, it's because we're telling a story that hurts us. If I step on a sharp piece of glass, I'm not telling a story that hurts me. The glass went through my foot. When I'm sitting comfortably in my home and I feel fine and I see a photo of a guy in yoga pants who's like ripped and I feel a suffering... (laughs) That tells me in that moment, okay, you're not actually injured. Nothing's actually wrong. A story has suddenly emerged. And the photo, the comparison is the catalyst for that story to emerge. So when I settle into your truth is my myth, I start to notice what I call your truth, the story I project onto you, the meaning I make from your experience or your photo or whatever, even the images in my mind, that's a myth. That's my myth. What you say about you, that's your truth, keep it. What I say about you is my myth. And when I feel that in my body, so much opens and settles, so much becomes curious, and I start to orient away from that photo of that man to my own body. Even saying that, I took a deeper breath. I noticed that I can breathe. I notice how beautiful I look right now. I notice that I feel comfy in my body. I notice that, oh, I've been around people and worked with plenty of men that have gorgeous bodies that hate themselves. I have learned by now that the story I'm telling is from a traumatized place in me, and it re-traumatizes my system every time through activation. Chronic activation, chronic overwhelm creates trauma response. So nothing in the world has to even be happening. I could just be living in an unconscious state of comparing myself to others. And that is enough to essentially create the same biology that a traumatic event would create. Isn't that powerful? And because there isn't actually a threat happening in real time besides my thoughts, there's nothing to respond to. So my body just marinades in that biology of of trauma, that biology of threat, that biology of stress. It just marinades. And because it's unconscious, we just say, I'm a sad person. We just say, I'm a shit person. I'm broken. I'm wounded. I'm traumatized. I am a binge eater. I'm a coke addict. We just say all these identities when really it's an expression of our subconscious. And the somatic work I teach, it helps us access that subconscious. So. I wanted to just kind of drop in and speak about that today to see where it takes us. Um, I'm looking right now, actually, to see when this episode is going to come out. Okay, so this is coming out on January 8th. I I record these episodes many weeks before they come out. Um, So this is great. If you go to my website right now, holisticlifenavigation.com, you can register for my course, which is literally open right now. So perfect timing. If you're interested in this idea, what I'm talking about, this practice of you can feel into your subconscious sensationally, and then these things won't run your life, that's what I teach you in my six-week course. I teach you all of it. Everything I've learned in 17 years is in that course. And the coolest thing is you get to leave the course with everything, every part of the course, it's all yours. So you get all the replays, You get all the audio exercises, you get the PDFs, it's all downloadable in one nice little file when the course is over for you to keep for life. And you get invited to our membership, which is very, very special and sacred. And we spend five days a week together, Uh, not required. You can come as much or as little as you want. We have plenty of opportunity for more learning, more practicing, more sharing, and creating friendships through this lens, which are a whole other way of relating and, and being together. So thank you for joining me today. So that's the end of today's episode. Notice where you feel the episode inside of your body. Those sensations, those expressions. That's how your body speaks to you. Sit with it, be with it, and let whatever wants to come up, come up. Because all the wisdom you're looking for is right there in those sensations. If you want to go deeper into these practices or find more information about my work, please visit holisticlifenavigation.com. I'll see you next time. Did you know your food cravings are actually a doorway to your subconscious? They are. We tend to see cravings as something bad or something we just give into mindlessly. But when you embody your cravings, you're able to notice they're just blossoming from a certain place that has a certain need and needs your attention. Join me on Wednesday, May 29th, as I unpack this in a new webinar called Cravings Destigmatized. In this webinar, I'll help you learn the difference between a nutritional craving, and an emotional craving, as well as how do we use cravings to get in touch with our unmet needs and any of our unconscious, unprocessed emotional experiences. It begins at 4 p.m. Eastern and everyone who registers will get a replay. You can find the link in the episode details and you can also go to www.holisticlifenavigation.com and click on events and the information is right there. Hope to see you there.